Good day, beautiful people. So I'm in a book club and we are reading The Healing Wisdom of Africa. I wanted to make sure that I break up the trauma podcast because I know it's a very deep and trying subject. So I just wanted to read this passage out of The Healing Wisdom of Africa by Maladoma Somme. Welcoming children in the community. In my village, people give special attention to the unique potential of each individual. The purpose that each person came into the world to nurture and to make blossom. In order for the community to function in a way that encourages the blossoming of its individuals, indigenous people make every birth a village event where the newborn is welcomed by all. I still have vivid images of the most recent birthing ritual I attended in my village. The young mother was in labor all afternoon and was walked around by a group of old women who chanted softly into her ear. The labor must have been very hard on the woman since she had since she did appear to be in great pain and uninterested in the singing. Yet the songs being sung to her were quite beautiful. They sound like a litany involving genealogy. Ancestors' names were uttered one after another. Then the woman chanted further, and I realized that everything was being said directly to the newborn. Among the most captivating statements were, You have come to a crossroads. The light you see in front of you is the light of the village that awaits you. Another woman said, Run, run, run to the gate and do not waste time. Because mummy is in pain. Yet another woman said, Our great mother said the walk home used to feel exhausting. But when they found out what was waiting for them at home, they forgot the pain of homecoming. We have sweet grass and honey awaiting your arrival. Sweet bosom ripe with food and love in a hurry to be with you. At that moment, the laboring mother stopped her pacing. Everyone stopped along with her. The song shifted in theme. It went back to genealogy and stories of valor. Then quickly turned into a song of identity. An elder was asking if the unborn remembered what was said a long time ago. When he first came into his mother's womb. The verses were meant to be a reminder of the reason why he should be eager for birth. For the entire afternoon and on until dark, five women gathered and walked with the mother, singing to her unborn all that time. At the time of delivery, the song stopped and the women busied themselves in other work. Meanwhile, children gathered close by, waiting for the big moment. That big moment came when the newborn screamed. Simultaneously, a loud noise bursting out of a dozen children like a tidal wave drowned the screechy sound coming out of the tiny mouth of the newborn. Then everything became quiet. One of the old women said, that's a grandfather. Look how he stares at everything. Mother and son were united on the spot and escorted into a dark room where they would remain hidden for the next 72 hours. I thought to myself that the scream of a newborn had something of of a question in it. 
It was like a signal sent out by the newcomer to see if he had arrived at the right place. The sound, mo the sound most similar to a newborn scream is the sound of children, which is why children in my village are required to cry out in confirmation of a newborn's arrival. This confirmation satisfies something in the psyche of the newborn, who is now ready to surrender to being present in this world. I have often wondered what would happen to the newborn if there were no answer. Can infants recover from the damage done to their souls as a result of a message at birth that they are on their own? Throughout children's life in the village, there is a strong message that they belong to a community of people who value them almost beyond anything else. It starts when grandparents participate in the birthing and the first in the birthing and are the first to hold the newborn because the newborn is considered a villager who has just arrived from a long trip that started in the land of the ancestors the people most rec recognizable to them are the old ones grandparents look pretty much like those who were left behind another reason for the presence of the elderly is that having just arrived the newborn shares with the grandparents a close proximity to the other world naturally they bond together this relationship between grandparents and children is reenacted particularly periodically and and in public while the rest of the village watches on a sunny afternoon, the village gathers in three distinct groups. The first is the group of the elders or grandparents. The second consists of the children and grandchildren. The third group is made up of the remaining villagers, the adults. Grandparents are seated each on a stool in one tight straight row, dressed in their better clothing, and the children are posted some 60 to 90 feet away. Someone intones a song, and everybody, including the children, sing. But the kids, as they sing, run towards the row of elders, each one selecting a grandparent and focusing an eye on him or her while singing and running. As the song ends, these children crash into the laps of their chosen grandparent. Some collisions are mild, others are more rough, but the overall impact is sweet and loving. After the crash, the children return to their position and start all over again. Every time a crash results in the fall in the fall to the ground of the elder and child, they are out of the game. If after the third time for boys or the fourth time for girls, there is no fall, then the child must switch to a different elder. At first, this ritual play while singing praise to the great mothers and fathers may not be understandable. It is not a competition, yet everybody looks forward to the crash, and everybody is happy whether there is a fall or not. Very rarely does a grandparent fall as a direct result of, of a grandchild jumping on him or her. The interesting thing is the bonding that it permits. The fact that it becomes the subject of talk long after it is over. Gradually, children don't distinguish between different grandparents. Every old person comes to be known as a grandpa or grandma. Reinforcing the idea is the general party that follows the crashing ritual, which the entire village takes part in. Here, each child dances with a grandparent while everyone spurs them on with great excitement. 
The party with the very old and the very young is very exciting to watch. These examples suggest that what is required for the maintenance and growth of a community is not corporate altruism or government program or a government program, but a village-like atmosphere that allows people to drop their masks. A sense of community grows where behavior is based on trust and where no one has has to hide anything. There are certain human powers that cannot be unleashed without such a supportive atmosphere. Powers such as one that enables us to believe in ancestors and to believe in our ability to unlock potentials in ourselves and others far beyond what is commonly known. When an individual feels connected to an entire community, this connection can extend far beyond the living world. This suggests that a healthy connection with one another will spill over into a connection with the ancestors and with nature. Similarly, the struggle to connect in this world will extend itself to the other world. There's a reason why I read that. And it does still relate to trauma. Even though it's a much seems like a much lighter, much more beautiful expression of of life and how we live in the world. But I read it because just imagine if we all had that type <clears throat> excuse me, that type of support system coming into the world. Just imagine how different our lives would be to have that continuous support and growing up in an environment that provided that type of support and that type of of connected connection, not just connection to the people in the current in your current community, but the connection to the ancestors in your past community. Think about how our communities could thrive and survive differently if that's how we brought life into the world. If that's how we, you know, expressed our love for each other on a constant basis. You know, when you come into a supportive environment, you grow from that. It's it's just like a plant. We're just like plants, technically. So when you give a plant what it needs, sunlight, water, and... um. And love, (laughs) sunlight, water, and love, nurturing. Your plant will thrive and grow. For example, I'll give you a prime example. I had a plant that a friend of mine gave me. And the plant was gorgeous when she gave it to me. Just a beautiful plant, just, just showing and glowing. So I had the plant in my room, but I really didn't have it in a good place in my bedroom. And I didn't have it in a good place. So the leaves kept falling off, but it was still, you know, it was still green and it was still trying. So I was like, okay, it'll come back. So finally, this plant only has like two leaves left. And I was like, oh no, I have to do something. If I want this plant to survive, I have to change its environment. I have to talk to it. I have to do something. You know, watering it is not enough. It's not in a good space because it's not growing. It's not, you know, maybe it's not getting enough sunlight. Maybe I'm watering it too much. Like, I really was like, I have to figure out how to save my plant. And so what I did was I changed the location of my plant. I moved it to a more supportive environment. I, you know, paid attention to how much I watered the plant or didn't water the plant. 
as well as I also put it in a in a spot where it had plenty of sun plenty of sun I would talk to it when I saw it and I would just you know give it reassuring energy like okay baby you only have two leaves left so you really gotta fight you really gotta push you really gotta grow 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 you know you have to really show out and I would just talk to this plant every day and I would you know make sure it had enough water and I give it all the sun that you know my windows could provide this plant now has not only grown beautifully and continues to grow beautifully and is huge it had three babies in the process of me giving it that nurturing and love. I gave one baby away, but I still have two other babies that it's growing inside the same pot with the with the original plant to give away. And just imagine how that plant needed just a small change of environment, a different way of nurturing, and it just thrived. Like it thrived to the point where it had three babies. And they're showing and glowing and just gorgeous themselves. So think about how that plant is us and how we, with just a little bit of an encouragement, a change in environment, and that nurturing and love that we need for ourselves. Not the love that people just want to give us. You know, I was just giving the giving the plant the love that I thought it needed, not the plant that it actually that it actually needed. And if you listen to the last podcast, I talked about that. We have to learn how to love people the way they need the love, not the way we feel like loving them. Because as I gave my plant the love that I felt like it needed, that wasn't what it actually needed. So I had to stop and say, okay, what does this plant need to grow and to flourish? It needed my support. It needed my love. It needed to be in a better environment. It needed the sun. It needed all of that. People are the same way. What do we need to grow and flourish? And you have to then put yourself in those type of environments. And I understand how difficult that is. But we have to do better at doing better for ourselves, doing better for our families, and doing better for our communities. Because if we don't, we continue to repeat the patterns of trauma. We continue to repeat the patterns of miseducation we continue to repeat the patterns of um colonized living and 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 you know not free thinking and and putting ourselves back into a a brainwashed society that isn't good for our our growth our health or wealth or anything so to tie it all together, just like the book said, you have to bring children into a supportive environment. You have to bring yourself into a supportive environment. And that's how we flourish and grow. When we continue to to reposition ourselves in traumatic environments time after time after time after time, we can't flourish. We can't get what we need out of life. We can't strive and thrive and survive to our best ability so just think about it when you go about your daily interactions how can you put yourself in a position of support how can you put yourself in a position of healthy living how can you put yourself in a position of wholeness
How can you put yourself in a position of of not reestablishing the traumas that you've already, you know, received from life and living in this environment and living in this society? You know, that's really is really something that most people don't think about. We don't think about putting ourselves in a supportive position so that not just our just not just us but the people we're around our family our communities can can thrive better can survive without being stressed out about daily living things about just meeting your daily needs you know the importance of a support system the importance of community the importance of understanding that we we're here to to heal each other we're here to to heal our communities we're heal we're here to heal our families like i i say and i continue to say the goal is to be happy healthy and whole happy healthy and whole is the goal by any means necessary so just be mindful and think of how you live every day. How are you being supportive to yourself? How are you being supportive to others? How are you supporting your children? How are you supporting your spouse? How are you supporting your, you know, your your boyfriend or girlfriend, your whatever? You know, how are you living in a supportive environment? How are you bringing that health that healthy lifestyle to your family? How are you bringing that happiness to your family? How are you bringing that wholeness to yourself and your family? How are you bringing all of those things to yourself and to your family? And what can you do to change how you do that if you're not doing it? Or if you're not doing it to its maximum potential? Or you're not doing it so that it's beneficial for your entire family? You know, those type of things. Just something to think about. I'm always trying to give people something to think about so they can make a decision on how to heal themselves. So they can make decisions about how to live better lives, even in this hostile environment. You know, how can you make your life better in a hostile environment? How can you, you know, recondition the way you think or undo some of the 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 damaging thoughts that we have? Because we're in survival mode or because we're living through, you know, PTSD. As I always say, black people are, are walking PTSD. We live through it every single day. So how are we going to undo all that damage that's caused on a daily basis? We're going to take a little piece and we're going to work on it every single day until that's resolved. Then we're going to take another piece and we're going to work on that every single day till that's resolved because we didn't grow up in supportive environments we you know we don't live in supportive environments we don't live in you know environments that say oh you're not feeling well you're you know you're mentally you know exhausted you're physically exhausted take a break and we'll make sure that everything is taken care of that you're still part of our community that you can still thrive and survive no we live in an environment that is like oh well you're fucked up you don't feel good psychologically or emotionally or physically too bad you still got to go to work because you got to survive too bad you still got to do because Ain't no support system. Too bad you still got to, you know, 
wake up and get this, this, and this done because this is the society we live in and it's not okay for you to take a mental health break. It's not okay for you to take time off because you got stuff to do and you got bills to pay and you got this person and that person to take care of. This society we live in is kind of job fucked up. You know, because we don't take time to take care of ourselves, but we are expected to take care of ourselves and be okay and go to work every day, even though we're exhausted and go do this and take care of this and that, even though we are physically, psychologically and emotionally exhausted. So just think about how how ass backwards and sick that logic is instead of being in a supportive environment that says, look. You need a break. You're a mother. You have children. You have a spouse. You have, you know, a boyfriend. You have someone that you had kids with and you're co-parenting and you need a break. Take that break. No, we don't live in that type of society. So we have to build our own support systems and our own stress management tools to to survive. And we can't continue to be in survival mode because it has destroyed us. It has destroyed our our ability to be self-sufficient. It has destroyed our ability to love each other. It has destroyed our ability to be a community. It has destroyed our ability to function on a healthy level. It has destroyed our mental health. It has destroyed our, our resolve. It has destroyed like everything. This society that we live in has destroyed us at our fundamental best. So how do we fix that? How do we resolve that? We go back to the basics. We go back to the healing wisdoms of Africa, as the book is titled, The Healing Wisdoms of Africa and being a supportive, you know, spouse, a supportive parent, a supportive, you know, community and continuing to follow those original guidelines that were set by our ancestors to give us what we needed to function in a society that was against us or in a society that did not have our best interests at heart. And a capitalistic colonized society is just that. So the answer to my question is that we have to return to a supportive environment. We have to start making our own supportive environments. We have to, ain't nobody coming to save us. I'll put it like this. Ain't nobody coming to fucking save us and we got to save ourselves because we have spent enough time doing detrimental self-sabotaging foolishness and fuckery. And we have to go back to the ideals and the fundamentals and the traditions of saving ourselves and being self-sufficient, supporting each other, supporting the life that we bring into the world, supporting the the idea of of living period you know supporting the ideas of of educating ourselves supporting the ideas of self-sufficiency running our own communities and being self-sufficient in that community on all levels you know of supporting our culture of supporting our our spiritual traditions of supporting our cultural traditions of supporting our physical traditions you know, as as Africans, we live by the rhythm of life. We live with purpose. Africans, traditionally and still somewhat currently, we lived by the rhythm of life. 
we still live by the rhythm of life. Everything we do has a rhythm. If you think about us globally, we live by the rhythm of life. We live with purpose. We have to return to that so that we can go back to being happy, healthy, and whole. We have to return to our traditions and our 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 original makeup, our natural being to continue to not continue but to start and and reinvite that that tradition in us where we lived self-sufficiently where we lived happy where we lived whole where we lived healthy you know we just have to return to what we already knew worked cuz what we doing now don't work doesn't even work a little bit doesn't even work sometimes we think it works and we psych ourselves out to believe that it works, but it really doesn't. Most of us are living traumatized every day. Most, most of us are living unhappily every day. Most of us are living in foolishness and fuckery and we just accept it and just, you know, be like, oh, well, because this is what we have to do, but we don't. I understand freedom ain't free, but being free is so worth it over you know, being stuck in a in a prison of of capitalism and colonization and a bunch of bullshit we really don't need. A bunch of material shit, you know, chasing a bunch of material shit we don't need. And we're unhealthy. We're physically unhealthy, nutritionally unhealthy, um, intellectually unhealthy, emotionally, psychologically, and culturally unhealthy. You know, but... I don't know. That's just what it is. That's what it is. But we are a different generation. We're going to have to start working on changing some things, changing a lot of things, because the next generation can't go through what we've gone through and survive because it's not a survival thing. It's, 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 it's like we're hanging on a thread. And I don't think that that's acceptable for us to put the next generation through that. We have to do better. We got to do better for the next generation. We have to teach them that, oh, no, you don't have to live this way. We have to teach them a new way of living. We have to teach them, not even a new way. We have to teach them the old way of living so that they grow up to be happy and healthy and whole. So that's the goal. Happy, healthy, and whole is the goal. And I'm going to keep saying it till everybody gets it and everybody overstands it. Happy and healthy is the goal. to